And take your Bibles, as we mentioned earlier, and let's look together at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Where I want you to look with me at verse 8 and some other verses, but first of all, verse 8, where I want you to notice in particular the last line of the verse. It says, But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? Now, if you look at the heading, if you have one in your Bible, it'll say something along the lines of anointing of Jesus at Bethany. This is where Mary came. And she had an alabaster box and she took ointment that was very expensive and she anointed the Lord Jesus with it. And so the disciples said, to what purpose is this waste? Now, it was hers. It may have been a dowry or other, some such thing, but it was hers and that's what she did with it. But they had indignation about it. Look at verse 9. For, I mean, they're not finished yet. They have some more uh, criticism on their minds. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but ye, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily or truly I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? He's about to die. He has 12 followers, 11 right after this. And he says, this gospel is going to go to the whole world. And furthermore, wherever it goes into the whole world, what's he say? He says, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. I mean, there was no gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so the Lord Jesus makes this promise. So before we pray, here's the scene. The scene is Bethany. And as we noted, the time, of course, is at the very end. The very end of Jesus' ministry and literally his life. A few more days from this moment, the earthly ministry and life of Christ is, is going to be over. So the Lord and his disciples are seated around at the evening meal, and all of a sudden, a woman comes over and she takes an alabaster box, and it says, very costly, precious ointment, and she anoints her Savior's head and feet. According to the other gospel, this woman was Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And of course, as we just read, this woman is known and her deed shall be known always according to the promise and the very word of the Lord Jesus himself. Whatever wrong, whatever harm that Mary ever did, it now lies sleeping forever with all of the other gossip in the streets of Bethany. But this deed, this act of gratitude and love will forever be told as a memorial, Jesus said, of her deed. And why? Why among all of the millions of noble and godly and selfless acts of mankind throughout history, why among all the courageous and Christ-like things that the disciples themselves 
after these moments themselves would do. Why among all of those is this the act and the deed that shall be told forever wherever the gospel goes throughout the entire world? Well, I can tell you this. Part of the answer to that question, strangely enough, is found in the disciples' indignant question in verse 8 when they said, to what purpose? To what purpose is this anointing which they called a waste? For what purpose is this? In other words, why are you wasting the equivalent of a year's salary just for the sake of a single anointing? And of course, as we're going to read the answer to that question and notice what Jesus says about it, it becomes crystal clear as to why this was not a waste at all and as to why it would become a memorial that would be most associated with communion itself all over the world. As we mentioned tonight, it's communion. Communion is a supper that Jesus himself instituted in Passover. He took two elements out of the original Passover meal, the bread and the wine, and he told his disciples they would represent his body, and that until he would come again in the kingdom, they were to do it as often as they will. Tonight, those two elements are here, and they're to remind us so that we ourselves can think about and remember exactly what it was that Jesus wanted us to remember. So I'm going to ask Brother Chris Hammond if he would to stand. He's going to ask God's blessing upon the bread, and then we will pass that on. Brother Chris, please. Amen and amen. We're going to pass out the bread, and as we do, if you just flip over one chapter, maybe, Matthew chapter 27, and um, start reading slowly, consider some of those verses as we prepare. You know, in a very real way, you and I are fulfilling, at this this very moment, think about it, in real time, two of the most unlikely of Jesus' prophecies. One is, of course, the story, telling the story of Mary of Bethany over 2,000 years later. You realize how unlikely, humanly speaking, that would be. You could say that about someone, what you did and rescuing that person will be told all over the world for 2,000 years and no one would believe that. And the other one, of course, number two, is observing communion itself, which in this moment, 2,000 years ago, was just as unlikely. That all over the world, thousands of years later, people would be observing communion exactly as our Lord had said. For Mary of Bethany, what she did was an act as simple as it was, and of course as misunderstood as it was, that beautifully demonstrates 
what you and I are about to observe and what was about to occur in the death and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. In fact, think about this for a moment. Think about how Mary's action was consistent, how what she did this night actually demonstrates the nature of God himself. Because remember, the disciples said, to what purpose is this waste? You're wasting this. They considered just about any act or action that would cost a year's salary to be an example of just absolute impulsive wastefulness. To them, and undoubtedly to most people today, pouring out $30,000 worth worth of ointment, $30,000 worth, was a shocking extravagance. She was squandering. She was squandering what could have been given to the poor, right? That's what they said. That's what one, one of them said. Or was she? Ask yourself this question. Because, you know, the Bible talks a lot about our heart and our motives and why we do what we do. What was it that was at the root of this act? What was the true motivation of her great love and her gratitude? You know, the Bible tells us. Look at verse 10 again, would you? When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Now, how did she know that? Well, they all should have known it, honestly. Look back at verse 2. This is what Jesus says to them all. Ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of God, the Son of Man, is betrayed to be crucified. Of course she knew. And of course they should have known. The main reason, beloved, why the disciples missed the significance of Mary's gracious act of love and gratitude is that they missed its connection with Jesus' death. He said, she did it unto my burial. So you see, it's impossible to understand what Mary did unless you understand first that her act is inextricably connected. It is tied to Jesus' death. Yes, this was generous. Yes, this was gracious. Yes, this was extreme in its expression, but don't forget the extremity that motivated it. Because he said crucified. He told them how he was going to die. You know, he prayed in that garden in agony. In part because he knew how he was going to die in shame and bearing sin on a cruel cross. Cursed be everyone, that, any man that hangs on a tree. talking about the cross and we're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ and his body being broken. We're talking about a death that was, think about this for a moment, sufficient to pardon the sins of people throughout the entire world. 1 John 2.2, Jesus is the propitiation. That's the offering. That's the body and the blood. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The Bible says that God so loved the world that He gave, gave His only begotten Son 
The, the language in the scripture is that he delivered him up. Now, wait a minute. The whole world? God gave his son for the whole world? And many of those in the world would, would reject and never believe? Isn't that a waste? Isn't it a waste of divine long-suffering and goodness and mercy when it's, when it's expended upon people that, that would never believe or never repent? Jesus taught in Matthew 6 to pray, forgive us our debt as we forgive those who are indebted to us, as we forgive our debtors. But isn't that a waste of forgiveness upon people who may never receive it and refuse the forgiveness? Mary, to what purpose is this waste? And Jesus said, this is no waste. There's never a waste in love and in gratitude. I think about the story of the prodigal son. You know, all he wanted to do when he came back to the father was return and, and just become one of his hired servants. That's what he said. I'm just going to go back. And I'm going to say, Father, I, I'm not worthy. Just make me as one of your hired servants a job in your, your kitchen. But what happened? Not that. In reality, the father didn't even listen to that. In reality, the father was so merciful in his loving kindness. The ring, the robe, the shoes, the celebration, the fatted calf. Even his older brother thought that the father was going overboard. He did not understand that love doesn't calculate the divine love especially is constantly, doesn't constantly measure itself. And you know, it doesn't have to because God is love and God's love is inexhaustible. And Mary's action here taught these men. It should have convicted them at the moment. It would later. It taught these men that you cannot love others too much. You can never be too forgiving, too kind, too merciful. And God, as our example, has demonstrated His love not in drips, not in sprinkles, but in pouring, pouring out His love in abundance. And that means it's not God who whispers in your ear, don't be kind to her, she won't appreciate it. It is not God who says to you, don't forgive him, you're wasting your time. It is not God who leads us to regretting some selfless act on behalf of another. It is not God who considers it a waste to be generous in good deeds and words to others for Christ's sake. No, it is God and it is God's love in our hearts who makes us think of how much more we can do instead of how much less. I know this much. I am grateful to this very night and this very moment for a little family in North Carolina that reached out and fed and visited and came back and visited again and loved and drove around and gave money for camps. I'm grateful for this one little family that cared for a 12-year-old boy out of their love for Christ. It reminds me of a, another young boy long ago, who was also cared for. I asked Brother Bob Dalton if he would to stand and give his salvation testimony at this time. Yeah, uh, I was uh, saved through the bus ministry as well. I was about uh, nine years old at the time, and uh, we lived out in the country. It was one night, 
And a couple of men came and just visited, and uh, they were talking with my parents, and they didn't seem interested at all. And on the way out the door, they looked at me and said, would you like to ride the bus to Sunday school? And uh, being nine years old, you know, you want to please people. So I said, yes, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll try to do it. And I kept my word, and they picked me up, and uh, I went to, the, went to church. And I don't remember now how long it was, but uh, sometime later they had a revival meeting. And uh, during that revival meeting, I, I came to know the Lord. Now, those two men will probably no, never know the, uh, the result of coming out that night and uh, being faithful, visiting. And uh, I, I, don't ever, I don't think I ever saw them again. Uh, the church was a fairly good size. But uh, I came forward, got saved, and uh, I'll, I'll give those men the credit when I see them in eternity. But I'm thankful tonight for my salvation and the wonderful things that the Lord has done for me. But uh, I'm, I often think of those, uh, those two faithful men that came out that night. And uh, I, I, I want to be faithful like that as well, don't you? Amen. Amen, Brother Dalton. Thank you. I mean, think about the bus kid, Dr. Bob Dalton. Bus kid, bus kid. Monsa, you could be Dr. Montserrat someday. You just keep serving the Lord. But what a, what a story, a reminder of God's grace. We're all saved the same way. And without the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ and him coming, and I tell you again, I, I thought about it earlier this week about the prayer in the garden. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. And, and the Lord Jesus knew exactly. He told them again in chapter 26. We just read it in verse 2. I'm going to be crucified, shamed. The Roman whipping post was first. Cat of nine tails where they ripped his back, and most people died at the Roman whipping post. They didn't even survive it. But he did, because he had to go to the cross. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about him giving his perfect sinless body so that we could be saved. Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. Our Father in heaven, it's, it's well nigh a miracle tonight that we are a people called by your name who can taste in our mouth almost exactly what the disciples tasted in unleavened bread thousands of years ago and what Moses and the Israelites tasted when they fled Egypt and for thousands of years up until Jesus fulfilled the Passover. It's well nigh a miracle that tonight we are here called by your name and saved by the sacrifice of your son and his resurrection. We just want to say thank you for so loving the world. Thank you for sending people our way to give us the good news of the gospel. And may we be willing to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that after the unleavened bread, and, in, and of course we believe in many ways the unleavened bread, leaven is, was a picture of sin in the law, and they had to go in haste. They couldn't let the, the bread rise when they were in Egypt and so forth, so God took that. That leaven's a picture of sin. It's just a reminder of the sinlessness of Jesus. And so after that, the Bible says that Jesus took the cup. And he did the same thing. He said, this is going to represent my blood which is shed for you. 
And why the blood? Why is it important? Because if you go all the way back, as Chris prayed earlier, there had to be a lamb. It's interesting, if you go and you read very carefully every verse of the Passover, the last Passover, the one Jesus fulfilled, you have all of the elements, except for the lamb. It talks about the bread and the juice. And, you know, there's the, bitter, the sop, the bitter herbs that he offered to Judas. Where's the lamb? He was the lamb. I'm going to ask Brother Mike Chung if he would to stand and ask God's blessing upon the juice. And you can continue reading where you left off in Matthew 27. Brother Mike. Lord, we just are so grateful for your sacrifice and the cross of our sins. Lord, Lord, we can never fathom the, the depth of your love, Lord. We are so grateful for the Lord. Lord, we ask that you please uh, help us to live our lives. I want you to picture this scene again in your mind's eye. Here are the disciples of the Lord after three and a half years. They followed him, obviously extremely closely. They've heard him, they've watched him perform one miracle after another. John says there were many other things that Jesus did that are not written because the world itself couldn't contain the book. So think of all the miracles. And now, they're concerned about waste. After all of that, they're concerned that when it comes to somebody else's possessions, by the way, that it's being wasted. Have they forgotten that Jesus took a single meal and fed 5,000 out in the wilderness? Have they forgotten that sitting right there in that dinner in their midst was their friend and a brother who just a few days earlier was raised from the dead. Have they forgotten that Jesus himself is the creator and that that very ointment and that was so precious in that alabaster box that held the ointment, have they forgotten that he himself created it? He could do it again a millionfold by uttering a single word. Have we forgotten that? You cannot outgive God. And by the way, that was Judas's whole problem. With Mary's extravagance to him, you could outgive God. In fact, notice again how Matthew, who was a tax collector, notice how Matthew, this former tax collector, sets the scenario. Verse 13. Verily, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me that I will deliver him? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And for that time he, Judas, sought opportunity to betray him. Beloved, how important it is to have a right heart concerning the work of God and how dangerous it is to be like Judas who was in it but he was in it for something Judas was the one if you know the gospels the other gospels he's the one who posed the question to what purpose is this waste 
The story is a reminder that you cannot, you cannot overpraise, you cannot overglorify the Lord of glory. You cannot give too much praise, you cannot give too much glory to the Lord Jesus Christ with any act. Think about this for a moment. In John's Gospel, the Bible says that Mary took this pound of spikenard, very costly, anointed Christ. And John said that when she did, quote, the whole house was filled with the odor. Everybody, including all of the visitors who were there, and there were, everybody noticed it. And then they wondered who did it. And this is a rare and amazing and a wonderful thing. Mary anointed him with spikenard. I've often wondered if it wasn't the burial, the actual burial ointment that was originally intended for Lazarus, her brother. And she's so thankful that she didn't even need it. Here's what John says. Much people, this is after he said that because of the odor, everybody smelled it. Much people, therefore, knew that Lazarus was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. See that? Mary's act glorified Christ that day. Everybody could smell that costly ointment. They want to know what was going on. They found out that Lazarus is there. We got to see this guy. And Jesus being glorified being exalted as the one who raised Lazarus from the grave, the Bible says many Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now criticize Mary for her act. Waste. Because which is more valuable, a pound of spikenard, feeding some people a meal, or an eternal soul? You have a soul. What would you give in exchange for that? What amount of money, what thing in the world, what amount of ointment would you, would you say, yeah, I'd rather not have Jesus and have that? What is your salvation testimony? Brother Russ is going to stand McFarland and give us his. Hello, uh, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Russell McFarland. I'm, I got saved while I was in college. Um, up until that time, you know, I was going through life. I figured I was a pretty good person, so everything was good. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd gone to Sunday school as a kid. Um, I don't recall ever hearing the gospel in Sunday school. Um, I, uh, I did have several occasions where someone tried to witness to me, but it was always God-shaped hole in your heart. But I was pretty happy, so it didn't really make sense. And then uh, while I was in graduate school, uh, uh, God put a, uh, a, a guy in a st uh, graduate student office that I shared with about six other people. Uh, it was really, really just a hallway. They stuffed a bunch of desks in and, and gave us a little bit of room. But uh, this guy, uh, he took the time to, to show me the, uh, that I wasn't a good person, that I was a sinner. Uh, showed me for the first time God's plan for salvation and really you know, spent a lot of time uh, answering my questions, explaining things, and ultimately led me to the Lord. Amen and amen. I remember in the 70s, you maybe remember this if you're old enough, there was a big, uh, I think it was TBN, one of them had a big uh, program called I Found It, and there are all these bumper stickers, I Found It. 
But we're reminded tonight that really he found us. And it's his grace and his mercy that we're saved. You know, the, the, the shedding of Jesus' blood that was foretold for thousands of years because of the lamb, that shedding of blood actually began before the cross when the Bible says that the Roman soldiers came and they buffeted him in the face. The Old Testament says that he was so marred, his visage, his face was so marred, he, he wouldn't be recognized. And they buffeted him and he bled and they put a crown of thorns on his head and they took a reed and they beat the crown of thorns into his head and he bled. As we noted, many people died, most of them actually died during a scourging or a Roman whipping post. And then on the cross and the spear and he gave his blood for our sins. Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament in my body. Fathers, we taste the fruit of the vine. It reminds us, Lord, of what Jesus said that night. That one day he will drink it again with us in the kingdom. That the wine that makes glad the heart of man is a symbol of joy in the kingdom and of Christ's kingdom there shall be no end. So that we look back tonight, but as Jesus wanted us to, we also look forward. We look ahead to that day where we will have eternal communion with you and with Christ. And we praise you for it. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for making us whole. We praise these things in Jesus' name. Amen.